Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Force Rate in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. By the way, Sylvia Hatchell, the Head basketball coach of the women's team at North Carolina. Her 1,000th career win today as North Carolina beat Grambling 79-63. Gina Oriema, by the way, closing in on 1,000 as well. Well, the Celtics keep winning. Last night in dramatic fashion as Terry Rozier got the job done against the Indiana Pacers. They have no timeouts here with 9.3 to go. Bogdanovich, same idea. We'll trigger the side of the bounds. Looking for Oladipo. Fronted by Larkin. Comes inside to Joseph oh. instead. They don't give the foul. It's lobbed across court and stolen by Rozier. He goes in and dunks with the right hand. And the Celtics have the lead. What in the world of Milt Palacio just happened here? 1.6 to go. No timeouts. Collison from half court. No good. And the Celtics have stolen the ball game. Oh, my goodness. You have got to be kidding me. The Celtics had a dumb play by not fouling, and then they couldn't foul, and the Pacers throw the basketball away. Oh, stupid comes to see stupid. But stupider wins. And one day after one of the wildest finishes in Patriots history, the Pacers go Ben Roethlisberger in the final seconds, and the Celtics storm off the floor with a stunning 112-111 to win. Sean Graham with Cedric Cornbread Maxwell on the call on the Celtics Network as the Celtics last night literally stole one against the Indiana Pacers 112-111. to in that commentary, you heard them reference the Patriots. Obviously, that was the Steelers game they were talking about as well. With that, from USA Today, we bring in Neil Kulong. Neil, welcome. It is great to have you with us. Happy holidays to you and yours. You guys as well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Um, Antonio Brown, does this now increase the sense of urgency? And I know it's Houston and Cleveland. But to make sure they have a first-round buy to buy themselves sometime? Yeah, I think they, they're absolutely going to want, um, you know, obviously they want to win the game anyway, but they're going to need that extra week simply because, I mean, yeah. he, Antonio Brown, is he, he's a quick, explosive player. If you don't have a healthy cast, that's not going to be very easy to do. And you take that away from him, um, you know, if he's playing 70% of himself, you could make the argument that the offense is playing at 70%. So really, they, they have to get him as healthy as, as possible. I'm not sure this is something that's just going to clear up. So uh, certainly a, a, a very winnable uh, two-game stretch and keep an eye on, on what New England has to do as well to, to clinch that home field. But um, that said, I mean, I think we got a, a pretty good look of what this offense is without Brown. And, and there were good things about it, you know, considering uh, how much of the ball he had been getting and for him to go down in the middle of the game like that, I thought their their playmakers were still able to make plays to a point where it you know, kind of makes you wonder, you know, what what would the difference have been if Brown had played the whole game? 
So we're talking about if they can win out, they were talking about 25 days, really. Because, I mean, you want to get them out of field practicing at some point. So 25 days? Yeah, it seems about right without uh, I'm quickly looking at a schedule and doing math in my head. Yeah, about 25 days, I'd say. Right, that, bu- that, buys, that, that buys them some time. I mean, that buys them some time. It also buys them some time as to how to run this thing without them, too, right? Yeah, I mean, with that, that, that's kind of the key thing. You know, Houston's a really up-and-down defensive team. They're, they're losing a lot of um, their, their bulk, really, with Watt and Merciless having been out for most of this season. Um, it, it, it's not a, a quality defense. It's certainly one that, that an offense can go on the road and beat this team. I, I think that's what they'll do. But it, it is going to be a good time to, to boost them for a guy like Mark Davis Bryant. You know, keep getting uh, Smith-Schuster the ball. Try to get these guys involved in ways that maybe you can come up with different stuff um, when, you know, it come playoff time that you haven't really shown yet. Uh, we haven't seen them, you know, nearly as involved as Antonio Brown was. So now, you know, somebody's going to have to step up and kind of fill that role and figure out what this offense is going to be without him. I think that works to their advantage. And certainly, you know, it, you're going to have a tough time finding two better teams to have to play than, than Houston and Cleveland right now. Uh, no James Conner. Uh, we don't know the extent of it. As we were talking earlier, it, surgery, but surgery could be a scope. I mean, we don't know. Uh, but what what does that do for the backfield, and what kind of loss is that? What I would guess, this, this is just my assumption, the move that they're going to make is going to be to bring uh, Terrell Watson back to the practice squad. He was the guy they cut uh, toward the end of November um, in favor of uh, Fitzgerald Toussaint. Um, with that, I would imagine that's going to be their one, two, and three with Bell, Toussaint, and Watson. And it just, it, it, it's maddening, isn't it? I mean, this is the fourth year in a row something like this happened. <laughs> they have no depth at the running back position at the end of the year. And you have to, you have to really be worried about that now through the Steelers. Uh, you know, you're juggling between Toussaint and, uh, Watson all year. At one point, you didn't think either one of them were good enough to be on the 53 man roster. Right. And exactly. you put them on the practice squad. So, you know, there's not going to be anyone else out there right now to sign. We, we saw what happened with Ben Tate. I really don't think the Steelers are going to, you know, want to do that again. But it's just, it's amazing. Every year this, this has happened to him. And it's, it's unfortunate for Connor to go down. You know, he's gotten enough carries. I think that, uh, you know, probably what about a, a carry a game on average, two games right. maybe, or two carries a game, something like that. Yeah. They, they got him involved enough that they knew what they had with him. They had kind of a specific role for him. And I don't think that's a role that either Fitzgerald Toussaint or Watson is going to be able to fill. So that, it really, it's all Bell the rest of the way. That's what we were talking about, the Ben Tate thing or a couple of years ago. We were just talking about that, as a matter of fact. Um, all right. The loss. Sometimes you know, a game like that then causes, if you let it linger, it causes you to lose again. How much are they helped by the fact that the schedule played out the way it did? It's definitely, definitely a big advantage for them in that sense. But what, what, I, what I get from this group is they're, they're tough. They're resilient. Um, it, more than anything, I think we went over this the last time we talked, too. It just it, it doesn't, you know, it, you walk away from the Steelers game, and it's like just full-blown drama. It's like it in, the, in the, the week leading into the game as well. There's always something, you know, really intriguing that just happened with this team. What we've forgotten in this is just this is a really hard team to beat. You look at what the Patriots had to do in order to win that game. Look at what Baltimore had to do to win. Cincinnati before that. They're, right. they're winning close, ugly games to a point where it's like, this, this is in their wheelhouse. Now yeah. it's almost like, okay, we're going to add the us-against-the-world mentality. Now what one line of thinking, and I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to this, but the NFL just took a game away from us. To me, I think that's only going to make them angrier. It, yeah. If anything, somebody made a comment on Twitter that I thought was really funny. If you look back at, at professional wrestling, they are uh, um, amateur wrestling. 
a lot of the times what teams did if, if their their big stud just you know got beat by and the, the other teams you know top guy right. they'll put him up against a nobody the next week to have him just take out all their rage on this nobody guy to get him kind of going again I, I think that might be the Houston Texans to be honest right. I, I think they're they're in a prime position to, to really lay a team out and yeah. and Houston's not a very good football team um, it, obviously Cleveland isn't either so really I, I think if anything the loss is almost going to kind of help them in a way let me flip it to the other side now now that you've act, you've watched them head to head how good do you think New England actually is? You know, I, I up until probably the third quarter, my thought was I'm, I'm waiting for the, the the Patriots that I know to come and take this game over. Now, granted, they had a classic, you know, Brady and Gronkowski plays to, to pull out the victory the way that you know they always do. But they're not a dominant team. I think they're a good team. I'm not sure. If, to be honest with you, I'm, I, you know, I'd throw Pittsburgh into this boat as well, just because I, I can never get past who this team really is. But I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them took a loss in the divisional round. I really wouldn't. I mean, right. are we saying right now where we sit that that either Pittsburgh or New England is, you know, way better than Jacksonville? Are we really thinking Jacksonville can't beat either of these teams? I know that seems really weird, but it very well could be the case. Look at how Baltimore is playing right now. You know, it looks to me like Joe Flacco is healthy for the first time all season. Their offense has picked up along with, you know, their defense that has been uh, typically outstanding. Kansas City's starting to play good football. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are we really saying that there is absolutely an AFC championship rematch, Pittsburgh at New England, uh, coming ahead? I'm I'm not sure of that right now. To be honest, I, I... I thought it was a great game. I thought both yes. teams played very well. I think they're both good football teams, but I don't think they're unbeatable. I, I really, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jacksonville or Baltimore make some noise. I don't think there's a dominant team, in my opinion, in the entire league. And, not anymore. And, and, and if <laughs> the injuries that have, have taken care of that, I mean, you know, Philadelphia could have been. They're not. I mean, you know, it, Case Keenum's done a heck of a job, but that's no offense. It's still Case Keenum. Uh, and that's interesting I mean, because there there have been a lot of really good games here down the stretch, and I'm wondering, Neil, if anybody notices. Because, I mean, everybody noticed Sunday, but I'm talking about some of the other really good games. I'm not sure people are noticing actually how, how competitive the league is now head-to-head. I think that's, to me, it's almost like a, a hangover effect that everybody has because they weren't getting all this stellar quarterback play earlier in the year, right. which is kind of what they were used to. So everyone then kind of just put negative glasses on and, and view the league that way. I agree 100% with you. I mean, really, look, look at the NFC. The NFC is going to have like a Super Bowl-level matchup in every round of the playoffs. Right. What, what NFC team do you want to play right now? Really, nobody. I mean, maybe you might make the argument Philadelphia just because Nick Foles is in there or, you know, like what you were saying about Case Keenum um, with the Vikings. You don't want to play the Rams. You don't want to play the Panthers. You don't want to play the Vikings, Eagles, the Saints. I mean, it, it's it's loaded. You're, That's going to be highly competitive. Your, I think your, your wild card teams are Carolina with Cam Newton and Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Really? Yeah. Those are your wild card teams. Exactly. That's exactly it. And then they're having to play on the road, which is something I, I think that they're going to be comfortable with. Certainly we've seen it with Carolina this season. That's not an easy game to win. You know, seeding won't matter at all in the NFC. And I could honestly see any one of those teams, one through six, uh, winning the whole thing. I really could. You and I both know, obviously, you know, that Brady is one of the greats of all time. Gronkowski, obviously, which we talked about earlier in the week. How do you cover him? But what was exploited schematically or personnel-wise by them that allowed the comeback to happen? I think... 
it's kind of a live by the sword, die by the sword thing. I think in, in reality too, you might be kind of a little happy if you, you if you were to look at a future stat sheet and see the the uh, Patriots with. 360 total yards and 27 points. Right. You, you look at that and think, you know what? It, it's not a great game, but against New England, it's probably pretty good. I don't, I don't mind that defensive effort so much, especially if we finally got an interception off Tom Brady. If you're the Steelers, you're probably a little happy about that. Um, it, it was a winning performance overall for them, and schematically, I, I don't, I don't want to say that it necessarily broke down. It was just more wrong turned into Gronk again. They, they were doing a good job with him early in the game, but he, he broke loose on a couple of probably you know, more blown assignments than anything else. I, I thought um, Mitch, Mike Mitchell took credit for the one, uh, the, the deep post that he ran right. and caught, but Mitchell got to him just as the ball was coming, and that was right. about as perfect a throw as he could make. That's a really hard play to defend. If Mitchell hadn't cheated over so much to the left sideline, I could see you know maybe he's in there to, to make a play, but Gronk is Gronk. You know, the, the guy's a Hall of Fame player. He's probably one of only two or three guys in the NFL right now not playing quarterback under the age of 30 that you know is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's, he's incredible. Um, he made plays when, when they needed him to make plays. Outside of that, he's just much bigger than Sean Davis. And, I, you know, I think Davis probably still got some work to do, but um, I, I don't think they really exploited anything. I just think they, they played the game the way that they do it, and the Steelers just, you know, lost by a play, really what it came down to. And that's interesting because, you know, for example, everyone remembers what a shootout the Rose Bowl was last year and Darnold completing passes. Yeah, Penn State, there are many, many plays. They were in great position. But against taller receivers, the ball was put in a spot. They got same thing with Gronk. I'm just going to throw it here and let Shaq go get it. <laughs> yep, and certainly that works when, you know, your, your secondary is actually one of the taller ones in the league, and they're 6'1". Gronk is 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. And he runs like a deer. I mean, yeah. it's really, really difficult to cover that guy, especially when you have one of the best of all time threading a needle to get him the ball exactly where the, the defender wouldn't be able to get it. You know, his his monster giraffe guy is just going to go up and, and pluck it out of the air. Uh, the, the fact that they had held him, at least in the first half, to, to really not much of anything, I thought was really impressive. Um, obviously, yeah. he blew it up in the second half. And it, typically, it's against Pittsburgh. But they didn't really give up anything else outside of that. I thought New England had a, a, a you know, a reasonable offensive attack, but Gronk was half their yards. Okay. I mean, that, that really speaks volumes to, to how well they did overall as a team, considering their opponent. Well, in fact, it's interesting. The two suspended guys stepped up with the fourth quarter, Gronk. And Juju. <laughs> yeah, I think somebody was making a joke about that that I saw. It's like, oh, this is what these two teams are missing last week. That must be it. They're out there making plays. And, yeah, I mean, each week with, with Smith-Schuster, Smith you're seeing better and better things from him. You know, it's just I, – I hate to say this because it is so cliche, but he is such a Heinz Ward clone to me. I mean, he, yeah. he really – they've got him blocking defensive ends. They've got him working in zone. And when he gets in the open field, it's like everyone else slows down. He just he shouldn't be moving away from people the way that he is. It's just like he doesn't look like he's that fast, but he continuously yeah. makes big plays. And it, it's it's really you know, encouraging if you're you know looking for the Steelers a couple uh, years down the line. You know he doesn't really have a, a very low ceiling by any stretch. You know he's going to get a lot better. He's going to learn a lot more. I think he's going to learn to play faster. And it really, you're looking at a three down. Terror. I mean, he's going to be yeah. a nightmare for, for defenses to contain. Neil, one final question. That deals with the end. Uh, the only thing that the only thing that these guys do for a living now is football. That's all they do. All right, they're not in school. They don't have to go to class. Get a couple hours on the high school field. Get twenty hours a week with with a college team. Whatever. All they do is football. When they were reviewing the James play, 
which is which is a free timeout. Why was Roethlisberger standing there talking contingencies on the sideline with them instead of kneeling down and staring up at, at the scoreboard? This is a <laughs> this is a really touchy topic, and a lot of people have weighed in on it. But it's just my useless two cents. Ben isn't the type to really kind of do that stuff. Ben sort of just lives in the moment. He plays the game. It's called this way. He's not the what-if kind of guy. And there there are positives and negatives to that. You remember a couple of years ago, Emmanuel Sanders was saying how much, how much he was enjoying in Denver because of how hard Peyton Manning worked, and everyone sort of took that as a slight against Roethlisberger. I understand exactly what he's talking about. It's not that Ben doesn't work hard. It's not that right. he doesn't study or anything like that. That's right. I think he, just, he knows what he wants to do, and that's it. Um, outside of that, Haley's in his headset. Um, if, if he needed to talk to him, he would have come over and talked to him. That's, it's a weak explanation considering the events of, of everything that would unfold after that, bad by, by multiple people. Um, I, I, I hope the cameras, you know, can, can get a shot of them speaking on the sidelines sometime next week to just kind of, you know, ease things in, in terms of Steeler Nation. Right. It's not that they don't talk, but he's not going to be the type to sit in and overanalyze the whole thing. He's a reaction guy. He plays right. with the flow of the game. Yeah, but I'm just saying, okay, I've got a free timeout. What if this goes against us? Here are the contingencies. To me, I mean, that's coach and player. That's not just Ben. I'm saying, but that's coach and player where, hey, we're trying to do a job here. So just in case, that's what struck me about the entire sequence. It was yeah, the, the, the just in case seemed to be on the fly. <laughs> You know, you, you can't you can't say that you guys sat and talked about it, and then the result was what we saw on the field. A right. receiver that can't get out of bounds, you claiming that you didn't run a fake uh, spike, even though you clearly faked a spike on the play. You have one receiver in the route. It's the shortest with probably the worst hands among the unit. Martavis Bryant is on the field. Don't, you can't use the excuse that you guys thought this out. You, you really kind of need to do better right. than that. Right. If your way is we don't need to talk a whole lot, let's just get this up here, that's mm-hmm. fine. That's but fine. there's no excuse for what we just saw. I mean, that, that was miserable. What a terrible way to end an otherwise fantastic game. Probably the best football game of the season. No <laughs> question. No question. Neil, thanks so much to you and yours. Uh, happy holidays. Thanks for everything you always do for us definitely thanks a lot guys we'll talk to you neil kulong usa today we'll come back with more in a moment brought to you by sunbury motors on news radio 1070 wkok welcome great to have you with us a couple of minutes we'll get news at the bottom of the hour Santa is here tonight, Magic Radio, from 6 to 7. It's really, station does a great job. Really, it's well set up. And you'll see it from the second you walk in the door when you bring your youngsters in. Uh, first class all the way. And they get a chance to talk to Santa in the Magic Radio from 6 to 7 this evening. Then Penn State Binghamton basketball is tonight, Jordan Center. Binghamton's actually won seven in a row coming in. They have a big guy, Thomas Bruce, that has 39 block shots. Oh, by the way, it's what Mike Watkins has. And they also have J.C. Shaw. Everyone knows at Bucknell what kind of shooter J.C. is uh, out of Clark Summit. They won a game over Sacred Heart Saturday down in New Haven. And in that game, they won 51-47. Shaw had 21 of the 51. But they shut out Sacred Heart in the final 9 minutes and 16 seconds. That's how they won. 
Penn State's looking for its 10th game of the year. And yes, Tony Carr will start tonight. So Tony Carr is back and will start tonight for Penn State. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf. Final half hour coming up, including your calls at 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565 on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us on the show today. Magic Radio tonight. News block from 5 to 6, by the way. Magic Radio 6 to 7. Mentioned Penn State basketball tonight with the Nittany Lions. Uh, taking on Binghamton this evening, which has actually won seven games in a row. They'll come in with a lot of confidence. It's their Super Bowl. And you go from there. And uh, next week, let's see, what do we have? Let's see. Greg Pickle's going to be on, I think, Thursday's show to talk about recruiting. We've got that going. And then, let's see, we'll also get on the show next week. Todd Sadowski, Trey Bauer, Dick Girardi. It looks like we might get Lou Prado for part of the show. And also on the Friday show, when we're out in Scottsdale, uh, this lineup will work. Bob Rondo, the play-by-play voice of Washington. Damon Heward, color analyst of Washington. Jack Ham, and Derek Williams. I think that'll work. They'll get everybody ready for the game. So those will be the shows Thursday and Friday next week. We'll have no show Monday. I mean, I mean, you know, Sean going on and on and on and whining and complaining how he needed Christmas off. I'm like, all right, fine, no show Monday. <sighs> Where's the work ethic here? <laughs> so I don't get it. I mean, he gets this whole week off. I know. How much time does one guy need? You haven't had a day off since July. I know. July 30th is the last day I took off. Boy, I'm taking three days off coming up. I've got, I'm taking the 23rd, 24th, and 25th off. So, I mean, it's just the way it worked out. I mean, I'm, I'm just making a point, a, a, a statement here. I am not, uh, I'm not complaining in the least. I've got the candy store jobs. I'll just put up my feet, and I can assure you in no uncertain terms, I'm doing zero. <laughs> I'm not doing a thing. At all, over the, for that three days. Simple as that. And the football team leaves when this week? They're going to leave on Saturday. Uh, they finished their practice yesterday. Uh, the ones that they're having in State College. Uh, they they went three of the last four days. They took Saturday. No, I'm so, I'm sorry. They went Friday, Saturday, Monday. And I was at the Friday practice. I was at the Monday practice. I did and Saturday. I had to drive down to uh, Fairfax uh, for the basketball game. This is after my son graduated too. I mean, my son had, had graduation on Saturday at uh, Lock Haven, and it really is. Uh, 
a great accomplishment. You ended up magna cum laude. I was so proud of him. He's, he's, I, I think a lot of fans in our area know, because, I mean, they've known me for a long time. Uh, he's the one that had to have the surgeries and things like that. And I mean, he's, you know, he's tough as nails. He's one of those individuals who, who he doesn't think he's tough, and yet he's the toughest person I've ever met in my life. Yeah, he's gone through a lot. And to see him graduate like that, it was a, you know, for me, I was, you know, I was so proud. I was so proud of him. Uh, now, nah, I mean, now he's got a good job. I mean, let's go on. Well, let's, let's find the gear here. Say, <laughs> hey, come on, I need a job now. Let's go. No. You, we're sitting at dinner, and he starts talking about, oh, yeah, i got to go get a job. I said, Chris, I said, look, enjoy the day, will you? <laughs> I said, we'll worry about that other stuff later. I said, enjoy, have a good time. You know, so, I mean, after we went to dinner, we had a, you know, you know, had a great time. We went to, we went to the tavern here. Um here in State College, and then I left from there and went down to Fairfax, so I didn't get to practice on Saturday, obviously. And uh, then they went yesterday. So they'll go on Saturday. So Saturday's a travel day. It turns out that the game is on December 30th, which is a Saturday. So that's a normal schedule. So Penn State, like they normally do, they'll go Sunday, although he's going to modify Sunday's practice. Uh, They're going to go Sunday... He's going to modify. It's going to be a little bit different than the usual Sunday practice. Uh, Monday, they always take off anyway, always. Well, it turns out Monday's also Christmas, so the timing's perfect. Then they're going to go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then they'll do an extensive walkthrough on Friday and then play the game Saturday. Washington is going is actually leaving and arriving on Christmas Day. So Penn State's going in on Saturday the 23rd. Washington's not going to get there until Monday the 25th. I'm a little surprised by that, but you know maybe they maybe they wanted to give their players, understandably, more time at home for the holidays. And I completely buy that, and I also don't know the academic calendar at Washington at all. So that's what the two teams are going to do as to their approaches and arrival. Washington will actually arrive 48 hours later than Penn State, so Penn State will actually have a practice under its belt <coughs> um, before Washington gets there. Uh, Jerry Kill, offensive coordinator at Rutgers, has decided to retire again because of health concerns. This is a real shame. Um, he, what happens is that Jerry Kill has epilepsy. He'd been the head coach at Minnesota. He'd been the head coach at Northern Illinois before that. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's 34 years. Well, he's been battling seizures. I mean, and not only that, when Jerry Kill would get a seizure, and it happened a couple times during games at Minnesota. When he would get a seizure, it would be violent. I mean, scary violent. And so he got out of it, and he turned it over to Tracy Clays, and, of course, he's he's no longer there because of stuff last year. And now P.J. Fleck is the head coach. Well, Jerry Kill then, after being in the administration of Minnesota for a year, then decided, hey, look, you know, he's a coach. Well, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Rutgers this past season. But, again, the same thing. He just felt that he had to get out of it for health reasons. And uh, he put out a statement today. Uh, What happened was, according to the New York Times, that he had another seizure after Rutgers' second game of the season in the football office. 
and that may have had an influence over this decision. said, I hope that through my 34 years of coaching that I was able to be a positive influence on young people because that is truly why I coach. I want to thank all the players for what they have done for me. I appreciate and love all the people that are part of my family. I don't have any regrets. I've had a blessed career. I love this game and all the coaches I work with. They have all made Jerry Kill a better man. I know that I did it the right way, and I did it my way. I gave everything I had to the game. I just ran out of juice. Matt Limegrover, Penn State's offensive line coach, would know this as well as anybody. He was with Jerry Kill for a long time and was his offensive coordinator. And I know he thinks the world of Jerry Kill. And it's just, you know, you're sorry to see it happen. Sorry to see it happen, I mean, especially the circumstances of it. That's the part that's bothersome of the circumstances. But I know in talking with Mike Grimm, the play-by-play voice for Minnesota, yeah, and Mike and I have talked about this, uh, Mike told me that when it happened during games, and it happened a couple times during games, I mean, it really happened. I mean, not only would have a seizure, it was a violent seizure. I know Bill O'Brien always talked. Now you know it's it, it's a different it's a different disease, but Bill O'Brien's son Jack would have multiple seizures during a day, and Jack's still alive, thank God. He's Jack's a wonderful, wonderful. You know he he communicates in his own way, and you should see when his brother Michael comes around how Jack lights up. You can see it, but Jack's. Jack could have violent seizures, but but he also could have ones that were very mild and sometimes unnoticeable. I'd be around him, and, and um, Colleen would tell me, nah, he's had one today. All right. And so with Jerry Kill, though, now it's different. He has epilepsy, so that's different. And like I said, uh, and to see somebody have to retire because of that, especially something they love, you can tell he loves the job, that's eh, really hard. Really, really tough. All right, the bowl game tonight. All right, Chad, you all set for this one? Yep. Hey, this is the one. I mean, look. Oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers was placed on IR today, so it's going to shut him down. Okay, just so you know. No chance of the playoffs. They're not going to risk him anymore. Uh, The bowl game tonight. Now, this is a home fielder tonight. Akron, which is on Penn State's schedule. All right, they're in a bowl game. Georgia State's already won its bowl game. And tonight is the Cherubundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. Okay, did you keep track of all that? Did you keep track of all of everything I just said? The Cherubundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. That's just one game, right? <laughs> That's tonight, yes. It's, it's, I mean, by the time they're done spelling it all out on the football field, it actually goes beyond the end zone. <laughs> uh, so... Florida Florida Atlantic will be at home. Lane Kiffin's team against uh, Terry Bowden's team. And uh, Florida Atlantic would have to be the favorite, especially on their home field, to win it. So that's uh, we'll see how it plays out tonight. But you know what? I'm you know I'm going to do my game tonight with Binghamton. This is you know, and this is what people don't realize. I'll do the game tonight with Binghamton. I'll go home. I have to do the Penn State update show for tomorrow, because I won't do that until after the game. So I have to come in, and I have to record that, then send it out to the stations. There's also something I have to record tonight as well that they use on the scoreboard at the Jordan Center for the next game. And I do it right away as soon as I get back to the studio here. 
But then I'm going to sit down probably for an hour and a half and watch the game. I always love when I hear, I'm not watching too many bowl games. Well, I don't care if you think there are too many bowl games. Maybe I want to watch. You don't have to watch. Who said you had to watch? There are too many bowl games. Who said you had to watch? But I'm going to probably put my feet up and watch probably an hour of it tonight. Why? Because that's my form of entertainment. <laughs> I also want to see, make sure they spell Cherubundi right. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Penn's Tavern is where you want to celebrate this holiday season. Whatever feel you're looking for, Penn's Tavern along the Susquehanna River can accommodate your needs. Mountain stone walls and wood floors can be found in the original dining area, giving you that old world charm. Continue back to the newly renovated River Room with 12 PA microbrews on tap. Grab a burger and sit back and relax in this cozy pub area. Penn's Tavern has the best gift certificate offer for the holidays. Buy five gift certificates of the same denomination and receive a sixth one free. Penn's Tavern, a piece of heaven on Route 147, five miles south of Sunbury. (laughs) It's the most famous reindeer of all. You know that, man. Come on, everybody. Yeehaw. There you go. Very nice. Oh, it's that time of the year. We can have a little fun, enjoy life, kick back for a little bit. I mean, let's face it. Is there any other night of the year where you can have the Cherubundi (laughs) cherry tart? Boca Raton Bowl on your TV? I mean, come on. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. Sure didn't feel like the season coming in. 55 on my car thermometer. I know. It really didn't. Uh, It's no no question. It did give me an opportunity because, you know, as Sean knows, the holiday gift this year was to get a wood stove. My wife's always wanted one. And as I've told the story on the year before, <laughs> they asked, uh, <laughs> my my children asked me, you know, my children are all older now, 37 down to 23. You know, Megan's going to be 24 here pretty soon anyway. Uh, they said, hey, Dad, now, look. They, oh, they said, to, they said to my wife, look, you're just appeasing. Dad's just appeasing you by buying this. Oh no no, Dad wants it too. So, so she's standing there, and they they came up to me and they said, "All right, Dad, all right, if it was just you here, would you buy it?" I go, oh, "No, <laughs> of course not." <laughs> but then I had to make the big comeback, and I looked over and I said, "I said, but what does it tell you <laughs> that I think so much of you that I said yes, let's do this." Now, Chad, I thought that was a pretty good recovery. <laughs> because for a second there, I was in deep trouble. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, I'll kick back. We'll have everybody here. We'll have everybody here. My daughter, Megan, who did get married, as everyone knows, in June. She married uh, Andrew, who's in the Air Force. 
and he is stationed at Anderson Air Force Base in Guam. So we've been going through this, you know, uh, the nut on the peninsula, <laughs> you know, threatening to, I'm going to lob him to Guam, I'm going to put him, one time he said he was going to put one to the north, one to the south, one to the east, and one to the west. And, of course, they, you know, I'd call them up on FaceTime. I'd say, okay, what's going on? They'd say, ah, don't worry about it. We do drills. We're fine. Okay, fine. So, I mean, yeah, I actually probably spent more time calming my wife down than, than them. <laughs> In fact, probably by a 10-to-1 margin. <laughs> but uh, but she came back last week. Her husband got, got back here last night. Uh, my son Mike's coming in from Rochester, New York. He should be here Thursday, as a matter of fact, with his wife and his son. And then my son Dan's getting here early Saturday morning, so we're gonna have everybody here for the weekend, which is what I've been aching for. That's been uh, so. That's I've been looking forward to that. And believe me, I won't. Anybody needs anything, you will not be able to find me. <laughs> If you need anything, I'm, I am unavailable. <laughs> we like this court. No, take care of the commercial yourself. <laughs> okay? I've been going. Like Chad mentioned, what, July 30th or whatever. We had all those other opportunities to ask. Not these three days. I'm out. <laughs> so, and then we'll get back on the 26th and get back to work here, and then I'll leave for the bowl game uh, the middle of next week and then do that game. Uh, so I've got a game tonight. I've got a game Friday. Uh, then the next game I do will be the Fiesta Bowl. Then I come back on the 31st in the Fiesta Bowl, but I leave the first to go to Maryland, and I've got a game at Maryland on the second. So I've you know so that's you know then we get a then a home game with Northwestern on Friday the fifth, and I actually have the next weekend off. So that's uh, that's where we are. Quick question. When was the last time Penn State was in the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, 96 against Texas. Shafi Fields ran 84 yards for a touchdown to start the second half. Beat Texas. Texas surprised everyone. Beat Nebraska in the Big 12 championship game with uh, James Brown at quarterback. Their running backs were Ricky Williams and Priest Holmes. And Penn State won the game. Ricky Williams and Priest Holmes and Brown. That was the backfield for Texas. Penn State won the game. So it's been 20 years. 20 years. By the way, uh, coming up on Friday's show, Frank Divers, the chairman of the Fiesta Bowl, is going to join us on Friday's show this week. So that's what's coming up. But, uh, yeah, this will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I did a lot of. I've got. A, I've got the. I've got the. The Washington games all done. I have that all done. I, in fact, I was watching tape today. I, I did a lot of look at Washington's defense uh, late last week. I did nothing but look at Washington's offense today. Browning moves better at quarterback than I thought he did. He actually moves a lot better. Yeah, but at the same time, he kind of manages the game too. McSorley's a playmaker. Browning is a step above game manager. But to his credit, and I don't mean running with the football. I'm talking about a guy that can get away from pressure and still create a play. He's pretty good at that. That's something I did not expect to see. 
All right. Looking forward to tomorrow's show. Thanks to Neil Kulon for being on today. Chad, I know you're out, so happy holidays to you and that wonderful family of yours. Same to yours, and I think your wife and my daughter have birthdays next week. They do, yes. Mine is on Friday. I'll be in Scottsdale. (laughs) Mine is also on Friday. I'll be home. (laughs) Yeah. So, yes. All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors.